0: From APM, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. We've been told over and over again by politicians and economists that American students are doing terribly in math and need to do better. Why? Because, they say, people need advanced math skills to be successful in the highly technical jobs of the 21st century. But Andrew Hacker argues it's just not true. He's a political science professor who has also taught college-level math classes, and he says the idea that everyone needs geometry, algebra, trigonometry, and even some calculus is actually hurting the economy by preventing people from finishing college. He talked to our senior education correspondent, Emily Hanford, about his new book,
1: The Math Myth. Okay, let's begin with a number. There are approximately 4 million 15-year-olds. Four million. And as matters are now turning out, we are expecting all 4 million of them to master a full mathematics menu, starting with geometry, algebra, trigonometry, and the goal is calculus for everybody. And I think that's absolutely absurd. So one
2: of the things you say in your book is that this is actually a pretty dramatic change. You look back uh, to earlier in the 20th century about how many students were actually taking, what percentage of students were actually taking algebra and geometry. And it was significantly fewer.
1: It absolutely was. And in those days, whether they are good old or bad old days, a lot of students were steered into vocational programs. Uh, New York City had a high school devoted to baking, no less. It also had one in Brooklyn uh, for manual arts. And in those cases, students were steered into blue-collar occupations for the rest of their lives. Well, a lot of people felt that's really not fair. So what we did was really flip the coin and now essentially want to prepare everybody for a high grade college.
2: Well, let's talk about what's happening. So we've upped uh, what we want students to know in math in particular and in other areas too. But what's happening in American high schools with these increasing math requirements? What does it look like out there?
1: To begin with, there's a huge dropout rate. Most of us don't know this, but America has one of the worst high school completion rates in the developed world. One out of five Americans walk down the street, every fifth person does not have a high school diploma.
2: I will add, though, that this is better than it was. We are improving with our high school graduation rates.
1: Well, we better improve if we want to get up there with Austria and Estonia, but we're not going to improve if we insist on a rigorous, advanced mathematics education for everyone. And by the way, that's what the Common Core is going to be doing. We won't have the Common Core results until not 2016, but they are really going to be devastating when it comes to who can graduate from high school.
2: So common core, just for people who may not know, is a new set of standards that come with tests that most states have adopted, and that set of standards does set out that most students should at least master Algebra two before graduating from high school.
1: One size for all. Now, I'm not, in my book, I do not parse this on a class basis. There are plenty of students in comfortable suburbs, professional homes, who just aren't into math. They may want to go to college and major in dance, or literary criticism, or even in history, but you have to pass the algebra barrier, and by this time we mean two years of algebra. And a lot of students not only can't do it, but shouldn't be made to do it. The question I keep asking is a simple three-letter word, why?
2: Well, let's talk more about that in a moment. So what's happening is we have one in five students not graduating from high school, I think the chief academic reason for that is an inability to pass the math requirements, to pass the classes or the tests.
1: It's even worse at college level. Most of our colleges require students to take some kind of math course, mainly in algebra, one, uh, in order to get a diploma. Forty-five percent of the students who enter our colleges do not graduate. And again, I sound boring, the chief academic reason is they failed a math class at college.
2: One of the things that I found really interesting in your book, very compelling, is the evidence that you put that it's not just that there are a large number of jobs that don't require a lot of advanced mathematics. In fact, most jobs don't require advanced mathematics, but that even jobs within engineering and the sciences that we kind of take for granted, of course, they would need Advanced mathematics, but even they don't. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what you found? I mean, do do even people going into science and even math need this advanced level of math? Uh,
1: in fact, they don't. Uh, in the book, I cite uh, a uh, a professor out at the Northridge campus of California State who followed around engineers for several months, watching what they do you know, uh, putting up housing projects, uh, bridges, dams, that sort of thing. She said they never used mathematics of the type that is taught in high school. They used numbers, arithmetic, very sophisticated arithmetic, uh, you know, long division, percentages, ratios. But there's a lot less math being done. The same thing is true in the computer world. Coding is very important, but coding is mainly quantitative. It's mainly, again, advanced arithmetic, uh, numeracy, and not algebra or geometry.
2: Okay, so you are disputing the claims that get made often that everyone needs to have more and more advanced math skills, that the data that, that you're looking at does not show that that's the case. But another argument that I hear made quite fervently about mathematics is that everyone should learn advanced mathematics because it's, it helps you learn to think. It's a good way to develop critical thinking skills and problem solving, and everyone should go through that, that work of trying to master algebra 2 or getting into calculus because it teaches them to be good thinkers. And if we were going to say not everyone needs to do that, we'd be depriving people of the skills that they could gain from doing that. Is that true?
1: Uh, no, it's not true. It's absolutely untrue, and it's what I might call myth number five. Uh, now, of course, mathematics teachers and professors have to claim that what they do sharpens your thinking skills and makes you generally a better thinker. There is no evidence at all that people who have done a full menu of mathematics are any more thoughtful than the rest of us. I looked around for research to show that, you know, people trained in mathematics are smarter, more logical, couldn't find any. So I did one little study of my own. Uh, at my college, every student takes a math test in order to get in, you know, the SAT or uh, ACT, one of those. And then I took the incoming freshmen who had opted to take an introductory course in history. Then what I did was I lined up their math scores and their grades in the history course. Guess what? Zero correlation. People who did well in math, either some did well in history, others absolutely bombed it. So, you know, what I would simply say is there's no evidence of this. There's a columnist for the Washington Post uh, named Richard Cohn, very clever man. And he once said, you know, I have friends who can master Fermat's last theorem, but they keep marrying the wrong women. You know, uh, it's a myth.
2: Now, you just mentioned that that is myth number five, that learning advanced math will make us better thinkers. So that begs the question uh, I should have asked earlier, what are myths one, two, three, and four?
1: One of the myths is that if you make everybody take math, then certain people who hadn't thought of this as a possible career let's say becoming a mathematician, uh, they won't be able to enter that career because uh, they weren't made to take math. Well,
2: So we have to expose everybody to math to give those mathematical minds a chance to discover themselves.
1: That's right. And by the same token, we should expose everybody to Mandarin and to playing the cello so they can find their true calling with Mandarin or the cello. I mean, this is I hate to say it, but there's a group of people in the book I call the mandarins. These are the uh, haute professors of mathematics at the top research universities. And they may be bright people in mathematics. They will use any argument they can grab for to continue their monopoly and make everybody take their subject. So the, we've gone through a couple of the myths. Uh, there's several more. Uh, Shall I give you one other?
2: Yeah, let's just quickly, because we've, we've intrigued people into the, the fact that there are several. So give us number two.
1: Okay. A myth here is that you need mathematics to understand how things work in our highly quantitative century. Wrong. What you really need is to study, believe it or not, Emily, more arithmetic. We generally say, hey, you've done enough arithmetic by the fifth grade when you've mastered long division and percentages. In fact, you can become very sophisticated, very advanced with arithmetic, which is what you need to do to master, let's say, a corporate earnings report or the federal budget or a debate on climate change. You don't need algebra for that. You need facility with numbers.
2: So what you're arguing is that putting things like algebra and geometry and calculus in is displacing the time and resources we would need to better teach people arithmetic.
1: Absolutely. And in the course of writing the book, I decided to teach a class of my own. So I went to the math department at my college and I said, would you let me take one section of the required math class? And they said, sure. And I said, I'm going to do it my way. They allowed me. I turned it into a course that I called Numeracy 101, and we did all sorts of assignments using numbers with nothing needed more than long division. For example, the state of Pennsylvania, less than half the votes were cast for Republican candidates, but they ended up with three quarters of the seats in Congress. How did that happen? Well, we used numbers to look at gerrymandering, the districts, all sorts of things like that, and it was At the end, some of the students said, you know, Professor Hacker, this course in numbers was more demanding than a calculus course I had to take in high school.
2: Okay. So what's myth number three real quick?
1: The requirement of mathematics penalizes women. In other words, the myth would be it's a kind of equalizer. For example, women get fewer of their fair share of national merit scholarships. Most people don't know that. Fifty-three percent of the entrants for National Merit Scholarships are women. They get only 47 percent of the awards.
2: And this a National Merit Scholarship is primarily based on your PSAT scores, right?
1: Absolutely, where the boys do better on the PSAT, that is the standardized test, where you have to answer a question every. 83 seconds. The boys speed ahead, and then as a result, they end up getting most of the National Merit Awards. Same thing is true with highly selective colleges. Yale, Stanford have more men than women. The reason they're able to do this is that more men get 700-plus on math SATs, which fills out their dossier.
2: All right, and real quick, myth number four.
1: The myth number four is that what's important in math is precision that you actually get the one right answer and that's why for example again on the SAT if you say it's 79.2% and it's really the correct answer is 79.4 you get it wrong in the real world when we use numbers most of the time and this almost all the time and this is with engineers as well as the rest of us we estimate For example, if you're going to drive from Washington to Baltimore, you estimate how long it will take you. You don't say, gee, I have to find out it's going to take me 97 minutes or 97 minutes and 18 seconds. And a myth here is that precision is very important. In fact, even in the sciences, the high sciences, estimates are used all the time. And math is really kind of enemy of estimates.
2: You do talk about in the book that basic algebra, the basic understanding of an equation is an important skill that everyone should understand. But we're talking about more advanced, like Algebra 2 on up here, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, And by the way, I'm not that great a fan of Algebra 1 either. It can get very involved with its binomials and quadratic equations and all the rest. Simple algebra is what we do all the time.
2: You talk about people who are laying down carpet, people who who lay down wall-to-wall carpeting for a living, and the math, math that they need to know for their job, and then looking at the math that they actually learned in school. Can you talk a little bit about what you learned and what that shows us about math and the way it's taught in school?
1: Yes, this was another researcher who spent her time watching a crew of men lay carpets over a period of time. And this is complicated stuff because uh, you have to, the carpets come, as we know, in big rolls, but the carpet layers have to cut them to fit not just... uh, a square or a rectangle in a room, but often an alcove, often a circular staircase, all sorts of things. But the important thing is not to waste, to use every piece of carpet, and at the same time, not too many seams. And she discovered that these carpet guys, they were guys, uh, hadn't had any math. They were kind of high school dropouts. But they did all sorts of esoteric, complicated mathematical equations, particularly in geometry, in their heads without using classroom geometry. And I think that's just fine. Uh, there are people, you know, who have those skills. Uh, the same thing is true often of street vendors who can figure out change or how much for, what we say, the oranges, how much for the avocados, how much for the bananas in their heads the way the rest of us couldn't do.
2: Well, the point here is I think that people learn the things they need to learn. So people will learn the things they need to learn for, for a job and that the kinds of math that they're learning in school is number one, as you argue, not being taught to them in a way that could really feel particularly applicable or and that they're putting, being put through like a number of hoops with higher level mathematics when uh, a more basic but deep knowledge of math would help out someone, for example, starting out laying carpet to figure out how to do that job rather than the what they typically take in school.
1: Well, what was also found out was that the type of geometry taught in our schools would be totally irrelevant to the carpet people. They have to develop their own geometry, which I think is great. It shows how creative they are. The flip side of that is that a lot of medical schools require entering med students to have taken courses in calculus. I have talked to doctors, and not a single one can talk about ever using calculus once they started to uh, practice medicine. But what happens is that people who would make marvelous doctors, clinicians, gynecologists, pediatricians, don't get into medical school because They flubbed calculus.
2: And the problem, of course, is so much worse than that because we're not talking about just people who can't get into medical school, but we're talking about people who can't get a degree from a community college to go on and be a nursing assistant or uh, work uh, in even fixing cars in some cases. I mean, the level of math that people are expected to do at the community college, they can't get through it. And so what's happening, uh, I see this in my reporting, is that math require the typical math requirements at our community college are preventing a large number of people from ever getting a college degree. It's like poking holes in the American dream all across the country, one person at a time.
1: And it's really pernicious. Here are people who might want to go into cosmetology, uh, air conditioning repair, uh, any of, uh, you know, uh, proper professions, occupations uh, that a community college prepares you for. But the community colleges put up this algebra barrier at the beginning, and here's why. Community colleges have, I'm un- unfortunately I have to say this, an inferiority complex. Uh, they feel looked down upon. So what they do is they beef up their math requirement to show that they are rigorous. In fact, that rigor, that R word, is one of the big words behind so many of the myths. There are many ways to do rigorous work. You just don't have to do with algebra. And as you point out, the dropout rate at community colleges, non-completion rate, is, oh, well over half, uh, Some in some cases approaching 80%. So if we want to have more people prepared for jobs like, hey, uh, putting in air conditioning systems, might think about getting rid of algebra as a requirement.
2: Okay, so again, why do you think there is so much put into this math thing and so much resistance to changing it?
1: Okay, I'll give you one other reason, and I've encountered this in writing on the subject. There is a group of people, I would say about 7% of the population, hey, I use numbers, I'm estimating 7%, who are very good at math. Now, they're not math teachers or professors, but math was something that they really excelled at. They did well in high school. They did well in college. Even if they didn't major in it, it was their thing. And they're still math people. I sometimes call them the math mavens. And they really want to not only do they love math, they want to, because they love it so much, they belong to the one true math church, they want everyone else to worship in their church. I, I'm, I want to be very careful in saying this, but they're a bit like the National Rifle Association. In this case, it's not their guns that they have, but it's their love of math that they have, and they really want to keep it entrenched so everybody else will have to love it, and if they don't love it, they still have to take it. And I get so much mail from these people who regard me as attacking kind of their true religion. It's a bit weird.
2: Okay, so let's talk about some things that could be done that you think should be done. One, you mentioned this course that you taught uh, at Queens College, right? This numeracy 101 class. So another, you know, something we could do would be to stop requiring such advanced math in high school. And I think the immediate and very passionate response to that idea that I hear is that that would really be unfair. Uh, particularly to kids from poor families or kids who aren't in very good schools, because the, the I think the the fear is, because of the way that things work in America, is if we don't require math of all, then only some will master it, and that some will be the more privileged, and that will reproduce inequality in our society, that we have to make all kids learn advanced math. Otherwise, only the some, and it'll be the same some that always get access to the best stuff in America, which is more wealthier and often... Kids from white families. So what do you? So what? You know, what should we do? Can how do you deal with that question of of what should we do in high schools? How should we change the requirements? And what about that concern?
1: Well, as matters now stand, uh, the people who suffer most from these huge math requirements are kids from poor poorer families, and there's a s- simple reason for this. If you come from the suburbs or pro- from a professional home, and you're the daughter who is guess, turning suicidal over geometry, or the son who is, you know, just can't hack trigonometry, you hire a tutor. Tutoring is a $5 billion industry, and believe me, tutoring is for math, not for social studies. And upper middle class professional families get their kids through the math regimen via the tutoring. They don't get 700 on the SAT, but at least they can get into their third choice college. It's kids who can't afford the tutoring, who drop out because of math, and of course, those are from a lower economic uh, level. So I can't see how you can claim that making everybody take math is going to help poor kids. Uh, At this point, it certainly isn't, it's the opposite.
2: Okay, so what should we do? What should be done?
1: What should be done is options and alternatives. Under the Common Core, the math requirement, which is really stiff. You know, look at the math standards. They have, you have to master Pythagorean triples. Yeah, that's in 10th grade. Pascal's triangle. Yeah, everybody has to do it. One size for all under the Common Core, which is ridiculous. Why not have options, other alternatives, like a class in numeracy, a class in, oh, let's call it citizen statistics, where you analyze voting, where you analyze the federal budget, where you analyze campaign promises. Uh, And these, I have to emphasize, can be, should be just as rigorous as algebra. And, hey, if somebody decides a little later on, hey, i do really now want to become an engineer. They can always go to a community college and take the math courses that engineering require in order to get in. Lots of people do that with medicine. People go back and do their pre-med requirement after having majored in modern dance.
2: Even though they shouldn't have to, as you say in your book, because to be a physician, you really don't need those math skills either.
1: There you go. That's myth number eight.
2: (laughs) So, but I think that people will immediately react. I mean, you say that these courses that you're talking about, these alternatives in high school need to be rigorous, but people will immediately remember the general math, the business math that some kids got shuffled off to. And what I, I, I'm right now in the midst of a project where I'm interviewing people who are taking developmental slash remedial courses at community college, and many of them will say... You know, I, no one made me take the hard math, and now I'm upset about that because now I'm stuck in this remedial math class, and I'm not going to get my college degree if I can't get through this remedial math class.
1: But the person you've just talked to is in a class which is mandatory, compulsory, which is irrational, senseless, even sadistic, to say... Uh, Hey, uh, we want to prepare you for this, uh, you know, bone crushing regimen, which isn't necessary, is to my mind just totally absurd. So, yes, she says... I wish I were prepared for this class. I'm saying, I wish you didn't have to take that class.
2: Well, the point here is that if we're going to change what we're offering to people in high school, it's got to come along with a change for what's required for a college degree also. Because if if the, if the requirements for math in college remain the same, then I think we have to remain committed to trying to get everyone ready for that and to be able to pass that. But the point here really is to say just because you have not mastered the intricacies of Algebra two or pre-calculus shouldn't deny you the chance to get a bachelor's degree in nursing.
1: Absolutely. Now, where I see one sign of light is that a number of very good small liberal arts colleges like Bates, Colby, uh, others like that, no longer require the SAT, which means they no longer require the math part of the SAT because that's the big hurdle. They let students in without a math score. And guess what? They've discovered that those students do just as well as the students who took the SAT. So I think that's great. We talk of alternatives and options. An alternative is not to have to take the SAT.
2: What else do we need to do?
1: What I would say at this point to my colleagues who are mathematicians, whether at high school or college, look, I don't want to abolish your courses. Of course not. That's asinine. Mathematics is a great human accomplishment. What I would like you to do is to make your classes interesting, interesting, exciting, so students will want to take them. So they'll say in high school, gee... uh, Mrs. Wainwright teaches a great course in geometry. You really have to take it. I'll give you a case in point. At my college, there's a department of anthropology. You know, colleges have that. I was talking with the chairman. He said, you know, in high school, there's no anthropology taught, so students don't know what the subject is. But we get some in our introductory class. They take it maybe because of their schedule. We really make that introductory anthropology course interesting exciting not dumbing it down but to show them how you know uh, anthropology is an adventure and as we consult we get kids voluntarily taking more classes with us and majoring okay i want to put the ball in the mathematician's court why don't you do the same instead of just having conscripted students who are there sullenly sitting in the back of the room make it interesting so they'll want to take your subject. That was Andrew Hacker, an emeritus professor of political science at New York's Queens College
0: and author of The Math Myth and Other STEM Delusions. He was talking with senior producer and correspondent Emily Hanford. Hacker's book has stirred up some controversy about the value of advanced math courses, and next week we'll hear from a critic. You can find more information about The Math Myth at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org, where you can browse our archive of education documentaries and podcasts, americanradioworks.org. We'd love to hear from you about whether you think everybody should have to pass college algebra to get a degree, and what your own experience with math was, what it is, and whether you use math skills in your job. Tell us what you think at americanradioworks.org. Click on the About link and scroll down to share your impact story. You can follow us on Facebook at american.radioworks or on Twitter at amradioworks. Support for American Radio Works comes from Lumina Foundation, the Spencer Foundation, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM.